0: Hello again everybody, Julie Voigt here with another great episode of the PFG Vibecast. Of course with me as always is Mr. Russell Baxter and we are on episode 15 and what a great episode we have in store for you today. So without further ado, here's Russell Baxter.
1: Julie and I have had the opportunity to talk to some of the best people in the business when it comes to the National Football League, um, both behind the scenes, covering the league for a long time, and uh, like I like to say, he requires no introduction, but we like doing introductions. So, uh, writer for the Houston Chronicle for basically four decades, uh, one of the best NFL voices out there, Uh, please welcome John McClain to our show tonight. John, how are you?
2: I couldn't be better. Thank you very much for having me.
1: Well, I appreciate it. And, and we'll get right to the heart of the matter. Uh, no pun intended when it comes to the heart of Texas <laughs> and uh, the Houston Texans, uh, the defending AFC South champions. Again, they've won their share of division titles um, this decade, um, but there always seems to be something that goes wrong in the postseason. It's not that they haven't won postseason games, still waiting to advance to the AFC championship game for the first time and One of the topics of discussion that always seems to come up with the the current coaching regime, as you know, is Bill O'Brien and the play calling. Um, This year in the offseason, he elevated Tim Kelly to offensive coordinator to tight ends coach. Um, As of right now, where does it stand in terms of who's going to be calling the plays for the Houston Texans offense this season?
2: Bill O'Brien will be calling the plays for the Texans, as he did last year and as he did the year before. Uh, I wrote a couple of months back it'd be very foolish to take a guy Tim Kelly who's never been a coordinator and make him the play caller when your first place schedule is going to be so much more difficult than the last place schedule of 2018 which they took advantage of to go 11 and five in regular season before they stunk it up in the wild card game against the Colts and um and right now, and based on what I've seen with the Texans, O'Brien oversees the game plan. He spends a lot of time coaching to Sean Watson. I wouldn't want another play caller up than O'Brien. I've watched okay. what he's been able to do. He losing Will Fuller again, losing Kiki Q T, his outstanding rookie slot receiver for ten games, having the worst offensive line in the NFL, and Watson still accounted for thirty-one touchdowns and a rating of one hundred three. So I think, despite the people here howling at the moon about right. O'Brien's play calling, I think they're fool. They'd be foolish to have somebody on his staff do it. And I think one more year, Tim Kelly will be ready to take over. But if they could stay healthy at the skill, at the wide, at wide receiver, and uh, I see people having them take a tight end in the first two rounds of the draft, and I'm thinking. What do you? What planet have you been on? They're not going to draft a tight end. They love their two young tight ends, Jordan Aikens and Jordan Thomas. And um, then I see some saying, I heard this today on a national show, they might take a wide receiver. And I'm thinking, they, this team needs an offensive tackle and they need cornerbacks worse. And if they draft a position other than those in the first round, I will – Fall down and hit my head because I'll faint at the
1: time. <laughs> well, hopefully, Julie or me or both of us are around to catch you in case that happens. So, um, you know, I
2: pre- I'm not worried about it happening because I know they're not taking a wide receiver or a tight end or a pass rusher. They need an offensive tackle and they need cornerbacks even worse.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I know there's about 20 days tell the draft by the time this airs here, John. Um, So pretty much, you know, most people that follow me, they know I have a love for the AFC South division, especially for the Indianapolis Colts. So apparently, of course, people knew I was gonna have to ask this question to you. (laughs) But um, so the success of the Indianapolis Colts last draft was pretty much their first pick was, of course, Quentin Nelson with being you know the guard and then they went with Darius Leonard defensively and then they went with Braden Smith another perfect guard so Texans this year have three round pick uh, three picks Um, one first round pick two in the second round pretty much almost like the Colts do you think that Houston should mirror what the Colts did last draft that way maybe they could be a little bit more successful I know you know definitely I know you're going to need to build up that old line and just like you said you need some cornerbacks as well do you see almost something similar like that folding up in Houston
2: Chris Ballard did a terrific job in the draft last year and the, the difference is the Colts picks were a whole lot higher than the Texans are uh-huh. Texans are coming off 11 and 5 season, Colts were coming off a 4 12 season. And last year of course the Texans didn't have first or second round picks, but they right. did, they mm-hmm. had a really good draft. Now the Colts are going to be picked by everybody to win this division and they should because they won two games here last year at NRG Stadium including the playoff game. Uh-huh. And when I was at the league meetings in Arizona, I talked to all the coaches in the division and Frank Reich didn't try to say, "Oh, I don't think we should be favored." He said, "We're ready for the expectations because we have high expectations of our own."
0: Mm-hmm. Now, there's
2: no Chris, Nel- there's no Quentin Nelson in this draft, and there's no- I don't think it'd be hard pressed to find a Braden Smith in the second round. But the Texans need they need two tackles. They don't need a guard. They've got three veterans that they could play if they have to, mm-hmm. but they need an infusion of talent. But they're not going to be able to do. What Chris Ballard did last year, uh, and of course Andrew Luck was the biggest beneficiary of that, bouncing back and and that's one and because of Andrew's recovery and his outstanding season and the fact they do have such a good offensive line, wouldn't surprise me. If Andrew Andrew doesn't throw for 40 touchdown passes, and I think the Colts are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And I think the best Texans can do is uh, earn a wild card berth, but they have got to get better a cornerback. If they played tomorrow, their starting corners would be 35-year-old Jonathan Joseph. Mm -hmm. The other starter would be Bradley Roby, who had a mediocre year at Denver. And the slot corner would be Aaron Colvin, who was a huge disappointment coming here from Jacksonville as a free agent last year. Mm -hmm. That's why I believe two of their first four picks would be corners. And it wouldn't bother anybody in Houston if the other two of the first four were not offensive tackles. That's not what they're going to do. They need a left tackle, whether he's in the first round or whether he's in the second round. The problem in this draft, all the best tackles are guys that the NFL scouts think are better on the right side or moved inside. Mm-hmm. And Andre Diller to Washington State, who the Texans would love to get at 23, he's going to be long gone. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if that first pick's not a cornerback.
0: Right, and I noticed that um, I did read up on your mock drafts that you do along with um, Aaron Wilson, and I did see for that 23rd pick that you did, you're pretty much currently going with Greedy Williams, that cornerback from LSU. I I was very impressed with that.
2: I've done nine mock drafts. Thank God I only got three more. (laughs) I've tried to change it around every week so people would read it and Uh not go, oh, um, just another tackle. And of the top three corners that everybody thinks will go in the first round, Greedy Williams, DeAndre Baker, and Byron Murphy, Mm -hmm. I've had the Texans Mm -hmm. taking each one in a mock draft. And I don't think Greedy Williams will be there at 23, Mm -hmm. but he's the only one I haven't. And in my mock draft this week, he's available at 23. There you go. (laughs) I I do think the best tackles are going to be gone. Uh, People have them talking about like Cody Ford of Oco. Oklahoma, but he's a pure right tackle or maybe a guard, and they need a left tackle. They've got two guys at right tackle who are veterans. So that's why it's a, it's a much better draft at the bottom of the first round and in the second and third round for cornerbacks than it is offensive tackles.
1: Well, speaking into defense, John, uh, obviously, uh, you know, the, the Texans are loaded uh, in terms of the line packer position and basically a front seven, of course, Jadavion Clowney uh, got the franchise tag uh, this offseason. Uh, where do the team and Clowney stand right now in terms of uh, getting a long-term deal done? I know, I know that doesn't have to actually happen until the middle of July. But, uh, has there been any talk of that so far?
2: I have said since the
1: start of last training camp
2: that De'Veon Clowney would be franchised this year because I knew he wanted a lot of money and they have a lot of money, but they have a budget on everybody based on what they think they're worth. It's helped them avoid cap problems. And uh, they do like to use it for extensions of their players. And then when Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald signed their new deals, I knew there was no way Clowney was going to be signed to a long-term contract because his agent, Buzz Cook, would ask for money in that territory. And Clowney is a is a great player overall. Tremendous against the run. But he's not a great pass rusher. He's a real good pass rusher, but he's never had more than nine and a half sacks, where Mac and Donald are double-digit guys every year. If you want that kind of money, you better be at you better terrorize quarterbacks on a regular basis. And Clowney's disrupted. He moves around. You know, he could get a $100 million if he wanted it, but he's not going to get 120 30 or $40 million. And they can franchise him for two years. And uh, I don't expect him to hold out. He's going to make $15.7 million. And uh, he was tagged as an outside linebacker, which is what he is. I was reading a lot of things nationally. He's a defensive end. No, he's not he played a whole lot more at outside linebacker. The previous year, when J.J. Watt was hurt, he played a whole lot more defensive end. So I expect we will see Clowney the week before the regular season opener when the big checks kick in. And um, I think it when he comes in, it'll be like last year. He had he had recovered from a what well, was a scope, but it must have been a serious scope because it kept him out the whole offseason. And then him, Watt, Whitney Merciless all needed about three games because they couldn't participate in off-season program or most of preseason and that's one of the reasons Texans started 0-3. Those first three games were like training camp for so many key players. They don't have that issue this year because Watt of course bounced back with a tremendous season. Clowney had a really good season and Deshaun Watson's not coming off major knee surgery. So uh, I think they will continue to talk to Bus Cook, but um, I just don't see them getting a deal done. And as time goes on, more and more players are going to sign big contracts. It just kind of depends on if they want to compromise and, um, and if, indeed, Clowney backs off trying to be paid like uh, Mac and Donald.
1: Julie did you have anything else
0: um just pretty much you know I think he pretty much said it you know I was wanting to know wait where do you see the Texans next season you know division wise um I really really feel like it's going to be another tight race next season
2: it was tight this year of course Colts made a tremendous comeback Colts and Texans were four and twelve both of them had an unbelievable list of injuries previous year. Texans had 23 players on injury reserve, including 13 starters. And the Colts were in that neighborhood as well. Of course, mm-hmm. didn't have Andrew Luck. And now the division is going to, with the addition of Nick Foles in Jacksonville. And if Marcus Mariota could ever stay healthy for six games, the division is going to be good. It's going to be competitive. And it's going to be close. Really, any team could finish first. Any team could finish last. I'm picking the Colts to win the division. I'm going to pick the Texans to be about nine and seven against a tougher schedule. And I'm probably going to have them winning a wild card, probably going to put the Colts somewhere around 11 and five. Don't see them going 12 and four or 13 and three because the division itself is just so much better
1: than it used to be. Mm -hmm, Right. Well, John, I can't thank you enough for coming on tonight. Um, You know, the Texans are a fascinating team. Uh, Last year, of course, only the sixth time in the history of the league that the team went 0-3 and then managed to make the playoffs. Um, You know, I'm sure it's never boring down there. And once again, thanks so much for taking some time and a lot of your time tonight uh, to get us updated on the Houston Texans.
2: It is my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. I'm available anytime you need me.
1: Absolutely. Well, we're hoping you make the trip to Canton this year because Julie and I are going to be doing some shows uh, live from out there.
2: Well, that would be a lot of fun. I've been there many times, but since I don't have, I don't have uh, anybody going in from here or with background for here. So I'll probably be with the Texans. They're going to have, I think, joint practices with at least one, maybe two teams. So I will not be in Canton, but you guys will have a
1: blast. Well, I appreciate. Oh, I'm sorry, Julie.
0: Oh no! I was just gonna say thank you so
2: much.
1: Oh, and we'll find you, we'll find you right in the middle of a uh, of a snap at at uh, mini camp or something. So
2: that sounds great. Anytime. Thank you, guys. Thanks, thank
1: you. John. Bye bye. <laughs> Well, it was great to hear from John McClain, uh, obviously longtime writer uh, down in Houston covering the Texans, uh, his thoughts on the defending AFC South champions, as well as his thoughts on the entire division as well, Julie. Um, spoke very highly of the Indianapolis Colts, who obviously um, fast finished last year. It was, it, was, it was pretty wild. The Texans were 0-3. The Colts were 1-5. Both of them wound up in the playoffs. Um, for all those people who love to end the season today, um, that's a t- topic for another time so anyway <laughs> thanks again to John um, you can find John McLean on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL of course you can find my co-founder Julie Boyd at Julie noted underscore PFG um, you can find PFG vibe at gulp PFG vibe and of course I'm Bax football guru and thanks so much once again for listening to the latest edition of the PFG vibecast.
0: So long everybody.